0: Good evening and welcome to the Cabinet of Fever Dreams. Tonight, the third story in the collection of long-legged tales. The long Necked Woodsman was originally released on the 12th of January 2021 and is read to you tonight by Jen Kirk with additional voices provided by Sean Brodeur and Greg's Bishop with musical backing by Peter Gabor. This is the third story in a collection of tales about the long-legged beast. If you want to hear more about this strange creature, make sure to tune in to the next chapter of The Cabinet of Fever Dreams. New episodes come out every Tuesday, Thursday and Sunday on your podcasting platform of choice. With all that said, get comfortable and prepare to be transported into the mysterious Megura Valley.
1: The woodsman was a mountain of a man, but when I looked at him, all I could think about was the crushing reality of human fragility. Once upon a time, he was happy. Once upon a time, you could see him walking through the village hand in hand with his wife, their scrappy dog in tow. But that time was long gone. After the cancer took his wife, the woodsman's world collapsed in on itself. He stopped coming to church, he stopped attending the festivities, He stopped taking part in any faucet of communal life that wasn't directly tied to drinking even when the man was seen at the pub he wouldn't take part in the conversations he would simply sit at his own table numbing his pain with palanca. the others tried talking to him they tried to help the woodsman shoulder his grief yet the man always refused aid he seldom spoke and when he did it was never of his wife's passing as months turned into years, the rest of the village gave up trying to pull the woodsman away from the edge of darkness. He only had one friend left, his dog, Botso. The towering mass of sadness lumbering through the village was a somber sight, but Botso always brought a ray of sunshine to the scene. The weariness of life that plagued the woodsman paled in comparison to the determined excitement of the dog. Botso was constantly eager to play, to chase, to explore. Through jumps and yelps and playful tugs, Botso could even get the woodsman's stone face to break into a smile. The despondent woodsman and his chipper dog were an inseparable duo. When one was near, the other wasn't far behind. It wasn't until one frigid winter morning that I found the woodsman without company. He stood in the yard of his cottage, shovel in hand, trying to dig a hole in the frozen earth. For a while, I just watched him out of my bedroom window, waiting for Batsu to run out from behind the barn and start playing in the snow. The longer the dog didn't manifest, the more uneasy I felt. By the time my mother called me down for breakfast, I was far too worried to eat. With dread bubbling in my throat, I put on my coat and walked across the road. Uncle Yushko, why are you digging a hole? I asked grave he said not looking back as massive as the man was the cold earth resisted every dig of his shovel he wore a glove on his left hand but his right was covered in a thick layer of bandages fresh blood was crawling down the wood of the shovel a grave for who i asked fearing the worst the woodsman stomped at the shovel driving it deep into the ground With a thickening stream of blood sliding down the handle, he chipped away a chunk of the frozen earth.
2: Botso's dead.
1: He said. It wasn't until I asked him what happened that he turned to face me. I thought I had seen true sadness when I saw the woodsman at the funeral, but... The face that looked back at me was completely void of life. Bear. He said. A bear? During the winter, I gasped what happened the woodsman didn't answer he simply turned around and continued to dig i told him i was sorry for his loss i told him that if he ever needed anyone to talk to i was there for him i almost told him about the cat i had lost the summer prior but the woodsman refused to hear me the man had a grave to dig for a while i stood and watched him trying to come up with something to say But I knew there were no words that would do him good.
3: My daughter has no business conversing with that drunk!
1: My father yelled when I came back home. For years,
3: that man has been
1: overpouring
3: Palenka into his throat. But two nights ago, the dam broke. The madman decides to take his dog for a walk through the forest in the dead of winter. Stumbles into the pub, covered in mud, claiming that a beast attacked him and the hound drinks himself half to death while telling us the story too. The bastard was lucky to get out alive. He shouldn't be so lucky to talk to my daughter.
1: I was getting ready to yell something back at him, but then something caught my attention. Beast? I asked. Bear. He quickly replied.
3: Yosko and his dog got attacked by a bear. That red noses is the man behaving like an idiot. If Yosko was reasonable and treated his hound like an animal instead of a child, he would have stayed at home. It's the winter. None of us have any business in the forest.
1: Batsu is dead, Dad, I finally said. Batsu is dead and Uncle Yoshiko is burying him in the yard. The man is crushed. He needs someone to talk to. He needs help. The news of Batsu's death calmed my father's tone, but he still insisted I stay away from the woodsman.
3: I don't want to see you hanging around that man, he said. There is no helping him now.
1: I didn't want to believe him. I wanted to believe that with enough care and patience, anyone could be helped. So that morning, as my mother baked a pie, I baked one along with her. As soon as my father passed out for his afternoon nap, I walked across the road to the woodsman's house. A pie for a grieving man wasn't much, but it was the best I could do. I did not find the woodsman in his cottage. Instead, I found him standing in the old barn where his wife once kept sheep. Outside, Bato's grave was starting to gather snow. Inside, the woodsman was staring at the rifle hung up on the barn wall. When I interrupted the man out of his sorrow-filled trance, he was confused.
2: Why did you bring me a pie?
1: He asked. It's always better to be sad and full than sad and hungry. I said.
2: Why do you care if I'm hungry or not?
1: We live in a village that's in the middle of a dark forest. It's good to help each other. It took the woodsman a moment to comprehend.
2: Thank you. I wish I could repay you somehow, but all I have is Palenka.
1: He finally said. I won't drink with you, but if you want, we can share a slice of pie? The woodsman nodded. The inside of the woodsman's cottage was bare. Most of his furniture and belongings had been traded away in search for more pelenka, and what remained was purely functional in value. The only thing that hung on his walls was a singular crucifix and a photograph of his long-gone family. The woodsman, his wife, and Batso. Once upon a time, they all looked so happy. Last summer a truck ran over my cat. I said as we ate by the woodsman's creaky table. For one spoonful of pie, I regretted saying it. For a moment, I feared that me bringing up my own loss would insult the woodsman. But his face was not one of anger.
2: Mitzah, good cat,
1: he said, smiling as if he was talking about an old friend.
2: Your father lent her to us when we had mice in the basement. I'm sorry for your loss.
1: I'm sorry for your loss, too.
2: They don't stay for long,
1: the woodsman said, looking at the family portrait. His eyes quickly moved towards the shelf where the palanca was kept. With all the remnants of a smile disappearing from his face, the woodsman started to get up. I need a- The woodsman jumped to his feet, nearly overturning the table. He stood straight as a nail, his arms extended to his sides. He looked like a man whose limbs had suddenly become foreign, like a man possessed. Uncle Yoshko? I asked, pushing the table back to four legs. Are you okay, Uncle Yoshko? The man stared off into the distance as if I did not exist. His arms shook as if they were trying to grasp something just out of reach. His neck craned as if his skull was trying to escape his body. The man looked utterly unhinged, but then as if an invisible switch was flipped somewhere deep inside of his brain. The woodsman relaxed. At first I was invisible to him. At first the woodsman simply stared down at his hands as if his body had somehow betrayed him, but soon enough he remembered me.
2: I need a drink.
1: He mumbled as he made his way to the shelf. What was that, Uncle Yoshko? I asked. Are y- Are you alright?
2: I don't know. Disappeared there for a moment.
1: The woodsman said, grabbing the bottle of polenka.
2: Lost a lot of sleep last night. Could be that.
1: Or it could be the drinking. Uncle Yoshiko, that looked like a seizure. Heavy drinking for a long time can cause those. The man took out a shot glass, but he didn't fill it up.
2: Alcohol can cause seizures?
1: He asked holding the bottle by his chest. Yes, and worse, alcohol abuse can do so much harm to the brain. One of the worst side effects is the worsening of depressive- The bottle of planka came crashing down to the ground, but it wasn't because the woodsman listened to my words. He was back in that horrible state, his feet firmly on the ground, his arms extended as far as they would go, his neck stretched well into discomfort. The woodsman's body was hijacked once again. Yet this time, as he stood in the middle of the broken glass, his look was different. It wasn't the far-off gaze I had seen before. The woodsman's look was one of utter hatred and malice. He was looking straight at me. From behind those black eyes, I could feel an indescribable hatred reaching out for me. Whatever being possessed, the woodsman was one of pure spite and malice. I wanted to run away, but my legs refused to move. Instead, I sat frozen, watching the woodsman hateful scowl worm its way closer. But then, with a blink, the woodsman returned. He looked down at the broken bottle at his feet.
2: "I need to rest, he said. You should go home. Thank you for the pie.
1: I, I tried to ask the woodsman if I should call a doctor, but my mouth refused to open. I simply managed to smile, a nod, and then returned back home. That evening, as I milked the cows, the woodsman's evil stare stayed with me. In the back of my mind, I could still see that hateful gaze, and with each pull of the udder, I could see his limbs growing, stretching, reaching out for some unknown cause. I wanted to believe that the woodsman's erratic behavior was grief-induced, or even a byproduct of late-stage alcoholism, but deep inside, I knew. I knew that there was another force at play. Thoughts of the woodsman's soul crucifix lingered in the back of my mind. As he woke up from his nap, my father went to the pub to watch the football. It was well after the match ended and the road lights were turned off that my mother asked me to retrieve him. She made some sort of quip about my father's nose turning red, but I barely heard her. I was too preoccupied thinking about what kind of fate could have befallen the woodsman. I took my flashlight, but the moon was bright in the sky. Even though the air had teeth, the night itself was calm. The snow-capped trees of the Magura Forest stood still, undisturbed. Bears did roam the forest, but they only did so during the summer. In the winter, they slept. In the winter, they didn't kill dogs. For a moment I just stood still, trying to use the night's silence to clear my mind. And a, a throaty groan broke through the calm. The lights of the woodsman's cottage were off, but the sound was coming from his property. I had not forgotten his bewildering stare, and the strangeness of his condition still terrified me, but my will to do good overtook my fear. The groan sounded strained, thoughts of a drunken, grieving man needing help washed out the madness I had seen in the afternoon. I knocked on the woodsman's door. It creaked open on its own. Who is it? The woodsman's voice rasped. I brought you a pie this afternoon? I uh, came to pick up the dish. Come in. Outside of a stream of moonlight, the woodsman's cottage was drenched in pitch darkness. That sliver of light, however, bounced straight onto the man's rickety table. A small, natural spotlight illuminated my pie pan. With no words to say, I grabbed the object and turned to leave, but a voice spoke to me from the darkness. Thank you. The woodsman said. His tone labored.
2: Thank you for your kindness. When you walked into the barn to bring me the pie, I I was looking at my rifle, thinking about…
1: Another throaty grunt broke through the calm night. I knew that the woodsman made the sound from the shadows, but the tone was completely inhuman in nature.
2: Do you miss Mitsa?
1: The voice from the shadows asked.
2: Do you wish you could see her again?
1: She's gone, I said. A truck ran her over last summer. The woodsman let out a little chuckle, <laughs> but it was quickly followed by another pained grunt.
2: It wasn't a bear that attacked Botso. The men at the pub told me to say it was a bear, but it wasn't a bear. When Botso and me were in the woods, we met something worse. Much worse.
1: What did you meet in the forest? I asked, thumbing the edge of my flashlight. There was something horribly wrong with the woodsman's voice, something that made my heart race with a primal urge to flee.
2: I don't know, but when the creature attacked Botso, he started to change. Slowly at first, but the dog started to change. He started to grow.
1: Grow? I asked, with my stomach in my chest.
2: Yes. His paws grew taller. His neck grew longer. His teeth grew stronger. After the creature in the forest bit him, Bato started to change. Whenever he was growing, his mind would drift away. What you saw happen while we ate our pie, that was me going through some changes. Before I put the dog down, he bit me. At first, I thought he passed the curse to the forest beast to me. But now I know it's not a curse.
1: Something slithered in the darkness. I couldn't help myself. I flickered on my flashlight. I tried to scream, but only a choked gurgle left my throat. My body was completely seized with terror. I wasn't looking at the woodsman. I was looking at a horrid abomination that carried his face. His arms and legs still bent like a human limbs, but they were far too long and bony to resemble anything even remotely human. The woodsman's neck had morphed entirely. It slithered like a live rope made of skin, gently pulsing with each beat of his heart. The man was a mess of long, bent flesh, but his face still remained the same.
2: Don't be scared.
1: He groaned. With another animalistic grunt, his head bent and sent a clump of spit to the floor, but soon enough, he was looking back at me.
2: Do you want to see Mitsa again?
1: You need help. I finally managed to scream. There's something wrong with you and you need help. I, I'm i gonna call the priest. I turned to dash towards the door, but there was one swift motion. The woodsman's leg blocked my path. Like an impoverished spider, the man raised himself to his towering limbs and started to edge towards me.
2: When my mind leaves, my body grows. I can see them. I am with them. I am with them in a forest. I see Botso, I see Magdalene, the three of us are together. When my mind leaves, I'm back with them.
1: With the monster wearing the woodsman's face approaching me, I searched for something to protect myself with. In the darkness, I could feel the rough shape of a crucifix.
2: You can see Mitsa again. If you let your mind leave while your body grows, you can be with the cat again. She was a good cat. She
1: was a. I expected screams. I expected him to writhe in pain, but. He didn't. As I stabbed the woodsman's long arm with the crucifix, he didn't even flinch.
2: You can see Mitzah again.
1: He repeated, his head descending to my eye level.
2: You just have to let your mind leave your
1: body. His lips flared up, revealing a row of dull yellow teeth even under the dim shine of my flashlight, I could see the raving hatred inside of his eyes. Without a second thought, I threw myself into the moonlight. I didn't register the broken glass, I didn't think about where I was running, I just ran. I knew that he was behind me and I knew he meant me harm. I ran to the nearest place where I could hide, the woodsman's barn. With the barn doors barred behind me and my flashlight off, I hid in the darkness of the wooden enclosure. I prayed that that long-necked monstrosity would stop at the doors, that he would go hunt different prey, and for a moment I thought my prayers had been answered, but with another horrid grunt, the creature knocked the barn doors down.
2: Don't be scared.
1: He whispered as his limbs felt around for me in the darkness.
2: Let me help you. Let me help your mind leave your body so that you can see Mitzah again.
1: I watched him move through the cracks of light from the outside world. His confounding shape drifted in and out of the darkness as he moved around the space, sniffing for me. His neck strained closer, his spit smelled of an infected womb.
2: There you are.
1: He said, breathing heavily through his nose.
2: You will see Mitzha soon enough. You'll be together again.
1: The long-legged beast stood in front of me. Its dull-toothed maw clicking and leaking.
2: You will see your friends soon enough.
1: The monster boomed as it craned its neck for the kill.
2: Just let your mind leave your...
1: A flash of light. As soon as the shot came out of the woodsman's rifle, I dropped the gun. For a moment, I stood in the darkness, waiting for the beast to spring back into action. Waiting to die. Put it in it. Instead, all the dogs in the village started to howl. With one quick flip of my flashlight, I made sure that my shot had been true. It was. The woodsman's head had a hole in it, and the monstrosity that it was attached lay dead on the barn floor. Without a second thought, I turned off my flashlight and ran to the pub. I didn't even make it halfway down the road when I met my father. He was in a drunken procession of the pub men, armed with axes and pitchforks. Apparently someone had heard a rifle go off. My father thought I would be safer back home. I didn't argue with him. I barely slept that night. Images of the nightmarish creature and fears of being pulled out of bed for murder haunted any attempt that I made at sleep. Yet when I made my way downstairs in the morning, there was no talk of monsters or murder. The story was simple. During the night, the woodsman had shot himself.
3: I told you there was no helping
1: that man. My father said as we ate breakfast. and this he was right. The man that I had seen the night before was beyond saving. The man I had seen the night before was no longer a man. I thought about leaving the matter be, of not pushing it further. But curiosity still lingered somewhere deep inside of my mind. Dad? I asked. Was it really a bear that killed Botso? Yes. He said without hesitation.
3: The woodsman's dog was killed by a bear, and then he shot himself. We will not speak of this matter anymore. Leave it be.
1: I stayed silent. I stayed silent partially because I knew that if I kept on asking questions, I might end up revealing some of my own secrets, but I also stayed silent because of the fear fear in my father's eyes. He knew that it wasn't a bear that maimed the woodsman's dog. He knew that the bullet that killed the woodsman wasn't self-inflicted. He knew that when he died, the woodsman was far from human. I stayed silent. I stayed silent because from the look in my father's eyes, I could tell that the missing puzzle pieces to the woodsman's stories were ones of jagged iron. I stayed silent because the madness that laid behind the man's transformation was beyond my comprehension. I stayed silent because I knew the matter of the woodsman and his dog was better left alone.
0: The Cabinet of Fever Dreams is written and produced by Mike Jesus Langer and is brought to you by patrons such as Moo, Serafina L., Lucky J. Horton, Alan Rawl, Kus, Bob Kondrick, Chicken Mixer, and Daniel Wengel. If you'd like to join these fine people and support the show and get early access to episodes along with a bunch of bonus content, drop by patreon.com slash J. Langer. And so concludes this episode of The Cabinet of Fever Dreams. Make sure to drop by next episode for another tale of the Long Leg Beast series.